page is starting a podcast. We can make an official announcement now. Yes. Uh, it's been tweeted out. Do you want to take it away? Yeah, so we mentioned this before, but um, I've, la- I've been working all year and for a few years before this one on an actual play D&D, so Dungeons & Dragons uh, podcast called The Junket Podcast. Uh, this show is a comedy sci-fi improv show featuring myself, Elle, my mm. wife, well, almost wife, and four of our very best friends in the world. It's going to be a riot. We've already recorded a few episodes and they are polishing up real nice. So we're releasing on Jan 7th. So if that sounds like your cup of tea, just come along and give us a try. Any support is welcome. Like just listening for 10 seconds, for a minute, for the whole thing, whatever you feel up to and whatever kind of floats your boat. Because it's a little indie production. We do everything in house. So any support really does make a difference. And thank you if you do give us a try. I was going to suggest switching things up a bit and starting with the poll of the month, which this month is a poll from YouGov asking people, which of the following types of tea do you drink? And this wasn't a choice. It was tick all that apply. It wasn't your favourite type, but it was all of them. Paige, what are you doing? I'm pulling faces because I just thought, I know you so well. I didn't ask YouGov to do this poll. They just did it. And, and hmm. they did it. And it was it. I mean, look, if, if, if I had asked them to do the poll... I would have forced people to choose between tea options because I want to know which is the most popular, not just how many people drink each one. L. What? L. What? That's sus. Why is it? It's not sus. It's sus. Everything is sus. You're wrong. Anyway, so what was the outcome of this poll? So it was, what? which of the following types of tea do you drink? And it was, the top ones were English breakfast, 54%, Earl Grey, 18%, green tea, 18%, peppermint, 16%, Fruit and herbal both on 13% and chamomile on 10%. And then there were a few others, lots of different types of tea that had uh, between 5, 8, 9%, whatever. So what do you make of that? Because you, you drink English breakfast tea as well, don't you? Is that the normal one? It's the normal one, yeah. Like Yorkshire tea is English breakfast tea. I oh, believe. yeah. Yeah, just the, the brown one. The brown one? The normal, you know. Oh, Grey's the... also brown. I, I personally am not too Yeah, but Oh, Grey is for fancies oh you know what i should check something hang on let me pull up that poll because i want to see what the percentage of tory voters was who drink earl grey i forgot to check that because page raises a very good point oh no the percentage of tory voters who drink earl grey is actually lower than labor voters and uh, lib dem voters i don't know how to read this chart elliot there are numbers in it oh i know i know that's why i was just saying what i'm allergic to numbers i mean i most people haven't noticed this poll which is why i wanted to put it up front i wanted to see how many people found it interesting you saw that it was a good opportunity so the next part of that poll asked you have answered that you drink earl grey or english breakfast what do you have in your cup of tea 54% 54% of Earl Grey English breakfast uh, drinkers said milk and no sugar, which is, of course, the right approach. 13% said milk with uh, one teaspoon of sugar. 10% had it black, which is weird. I'm sorry, but that that's weird. Why would you make a cup of tea and not put anything in it? Uh, and 9% said milk with two spoons of sugar. So I am in the majority for possibly the first time in my life on anything. And Paige is in the small minority. But I- I'm not. I'm not in any of these categories because I take three spoons of sugar. Uh, yeah, I think that was like 5% of them. What's it like being so normie? 
not everything has to be like you know i don't have to be exceptional and unusual in everything now nah, you're normie now we started with uh, our poll of the month so let's uh open by talking about the well now deadlocked polls in the in the uk because for the first time since june 2019 the tories are not ahead in the polls they are tied with labor mostly no change from last month except the tories edging down slightly and brexit party going up by one point um, which would lead to a hung parliament in which labor would have more seats than in 2017 266 tories would have less than 300 seats 299 smp 52 lib dems 9 and others 24 which would uh, lead to a government led by keir starmer um so that's pretty good, I think. I don't know what you think of that. It's very interesting to see the sudden swing. Why do you think that is? I think I'd say three things. Firstly, Starmer having a sort of bounce because he has become the new leader and distanced himself from what people viewed as unpopular um, previous leaderships. Secondly, the Tory party's managing of the coronavirus pandemic has had... Um, very bad approval ratings amongst the public. The uh, Barnard Castle fiasco really dented the Tories' popularity and, and they've kind of been going down slowly ever since. And also, the Liberal Democrats' vote has halved and virtually all of that has gone to the Labour Party under Keir Starmer. Lib Dems are on 7% now and they have 12% in the election. That's fascinating. So they're kind of sucking up the LD. Yes, yes, the, the, the Lib Dem vote is now been at 7% for, I believe, the past eight months, which is the longest period that they've been at such a low percentage uh, in, in w well over, like, 20 years, I believe. What I will say is it's the lowest the Lib Dems have polled since uh, Britain voted to leave the EU. And their whole raison d'etre for the past four years has been we are the party that wants to keep Britain in the EU. But they can't do that anymore because we formally left. And we'll... You know, in January next year, we'll have an even another formal leaving part, which will take us even further out of the EU. And uh, what do they exist for? What, why have a Liberal Democrat party at all is the question that they need to be asking themselves. And they haven't. They've not done their um, brand audit to consider the the uh, the what is it? The, the, ten, the five second proposition of uh, what they're supposed to be doing and what impression they're supposed to leave. I mean, yeah, their, their five second proposition leading up to 2019 was we will stop Brexit. It was two words, right? Stop Brexit. Mm. What is it now? We're not Labour or the Tories. We're yellow. We're, we're, we're orange. <laughs> orange or yellow, they can't often decide. Wait, are they... But they're yellow. They, they, they're, they're, their logo is yellow. They tend to be associated with the colour orange. They were a melding of a party that had a purple logo and a party that had a yellow logo. SNP also use yellow. If you add yellow to purple, it doesn't make orange. I I, I know, but it like... It makes brown. A brown isn't a very good colour for political parties, though, so they probably went with something... Yeah, they would immediately be called the third party. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're also the third party. Uh... <laughs> no, they're not. They're the fourth party, because the SNP have the third most seats in Parliament at the moment. Oh, my God. 48. Wow. Uh, so since 2015, the Lib Dems have, uh, have had less than 15 seats and the SNP have always had more than 35 so the, the the SNP are actually the third party in the UK in terms of seats uh, and they're close to being so in terms of votes based on this poll average they're only two points behind the Lib Dems and some polls put the SNP 
ahead of the Liberal Democrats on six uh, percent, which is um, which is honestly amazing that a party that only stands in fifty nine seats could get more votes than one that stands in around six hundred and thirty. I don't know very much about the SNP. I'll confess. Um, I know that this was the woman. And she's named after a fish. Still satisfied to hear that someone is eating the Lib Dems. That's quite shallow. I'm like, I don't know anything about these people, but good. <laughs> I mean, they're like, they they are the main reason why the Lib Dems are down to estimated win around nine seats, down from 11 in the general election. Those two losses, that both of them are in Scotland for the SNP. Entirely possible they could end up with just one seat in Scotland. <gasps> Nicola Sturgeon. Nicola Sturgeon. Oh, I thought you weren't saying her name just because you were making a... No, I legitimately couldn't remember. Oh, yeah, Nicola Sturgeon, yeah. What, yes. what do you know about the SNP? What they stand for? Being independent. That Yeah, that's it. That's that's it, really. And being annoyed at the UK controlling their country, which is fair enough. Well, being annoyed at England treating Scotland like garbage, which is pretty valid, honestly. Also, she looks so much like Angela Merkel. Have you ever thought that? I think this. Is she? Yeah. I think she looks like Angela Merkel, but Scottish. You know what? Looking at a photo of Angela Merkel, I do see it. Well, this was a wonderful detour. Having discussed uh, Angela Merkel and Nicola Sturgeon, we can uh, also talk about approval ratings for the leaders. So Boris Johnson's approval rating has edged up a little bit, 50% disapproval now, and his approval rating has edged up by 1.36%. But he's still on the second lowest approval net approval that he's had since becoming prime minister so that's pretty bad for him i think and like i said last time it used to be stratospheric like it was 57 percent approved 29 percent disapproved and now he's gone down 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 yeah it's because he's incredibly incompetent and even with having all the friends in the media there's only so much they can do to make him look like an incompetent fool well, they've, the media's really been turning on him recently. I don't yeah. think they've been that friendly. Uh, they've actually been, I think, they've been harsher to Boris Johnson than they have to Keir Starmer. I've noticed this too, and I do think the timing with um, seeing a Democrat arriving in the White House is pretty suspect. Oh, they're like, they can sense which way the wind is blowing and it's yeah. not towards conservatism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Keir Starmer's approval rating has edged to uh, his lowest so far so we were talking before actually about how boris johnson's gotten a harder ride in the press than uh, keir starmer but keir starmer's approval has actually been edging down and 38 percent approve of him 31 percent disapproval now I, I don't know if that surprises you i think it kind of makes sense because they tend to have like a honeymoon period right where they yeah. benefit from they benefit from decent approval rating because nobody knows who they are so he's kind of enjoyed a honeymoon period, but it's been a, it's been a while now since he became the leader. So that glow is probably fading, and he's also been a bit wishy-washy on a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, he's he's becoming famous for being Mister Abstain, right? Yeah, abstains on the COVID tier rules. Sounds like he might abstain on uh, Boris Johnson's Brexit deal. Just abstain, abstain, abstain. Doesn't take a position on things. Which might be unfair, but that is certainly how people are beginning to perceive him. And that's not really where you want to be. No. Um, but then that is also where, what Joe Biden tried to do. And that's it true. succeeded for him. And we'll get to that in a, in a bit. But yeah, like um, with approve and disapprove, like we always talk about the Tories having this core of people who will vote Tory. Yeah. But I mean, Labour's the same. There is a core of people that will always vote Labour. So I think what we're seeing now is probably the erosion of the people who are more swingy. Mm. 
and are like less loyal who are like who will be eroded away by um, abstaining and stuff like that but like we're kind of digging away and unveiling the core of people who are like i will vote labor i do i i certainly think that's true i think it was always inevitable and I, this is why i was let i was wary of people applauding these look at these approval ratings he's got plus 19 like he's got plus 12 and i was like well yeah but that's because most people don't know who he is. And the more people hear the words Keir Starmer, leader of the Labour Party, the more people who don't like the Labour Party because they like low taxes and small government and, you know, don't like people telling them how to live their lives will not like him because he is the leader of the Labour Party. And there's no way around that. People talk a lot about the Labour brand being damaged or, you know, Keir Starmer getting lower approval ratings whenever, you know, people talk about socialism. But I remember this point that people made when Bernie Sanders was running for the Democratic nomination and somebody was arguing Democrats will do badly in Florida because lots of voters in Florida hate socialism and Bernie's associated with socialism. And if he calls himself a democratic socialist, he's going to lose Florida. And then uh, someone responded to that and they said, yeah, but you know what else makes him unpopular in Florida? The fact that he's a Democrat. Because <laughs> Democrats are also unpopular in Florida. It's the fact that he has Democrat after his name that makes him unpopular there, not just the fact that he's a socialist. And the truth is, is that the more that people find out about Starmer, the more that Tory voters start to go, you know what, this guy might actually be for more government spending and he might actually be for funding healthcare and not privatising everything. And I don't really like that. I like that he looks like a prime minister and I like that he has a nice haircut. But the minute that they actually get the sense that he's a Labour politician... It may not be my particular type of Labour politician, but he is a Labour politician, which means he believes in funding healthcare, believes in funding education. He doesn't believe in privatising everything that he sees. And that is something that Tory voters in the main do not like. And mm. you're never going to get more than a handful of these habitual Tory voters to like you if you're the leader of the Labour Party, which is why chasing after them is a waste of time. Tory pie, as you pointed out, is never going to get less than 30% of the vote. It is that extra 10% who have occasionally changed their minds that you can appeal to. You're not going to get many Tory voters to like you the, if you take any stand on anything. Maybe that's why he's abstaining all the time. That could be. That could be. Similar picture with the approval polls. Best Prime Minister polling in uh, September. Stun was ahead by one point. October, they were tied. November, Boris Johnson's ahead by one point. So it's all within margin of error stuff. And it's all really, as I've pointed out before actually quite good to have a Labour leader tied or slightly ahead of the Conservatives in best Prime Minister polling because people tend to think when you ask them who's the best Prime Minister, they say... The Prime Minister. Because he is already Prime Minister, so you know that he looks like it. And yet, Starmer's still tied with Boris Johnson on that, even though he's not Prime Minister. So I'd say that's that's good. That is positive. <sighs> Sorry, I was rambling for a while there. No, it's okay. I was just... I was a sigh of... Maybe we won't descend into complete rabid right-wing nationalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So speaking of defeating, speaking of defeating uh, the right, Joe Biden is the president-elect of the United States of America. Yay! Yeah, it's good. It's it's objectively good. But yes, we we were all following the U.S. election for several days because they oh. took several days to count votes. That was honestly one of the most stressful weeks of my life, and I'm not even American. No, I know. I was like. I said this before a thousand times, but Britain counts 40 million votes in 
less than 24 hours when we have a general election and we have like a six week lead up to that. We had a staff election that most people were not planning for. They organized it in like six, seven weeks, counted the votes in like 24, 25 hours. Mm. Done. Everyone went home. America, some of these states have less people than voted in the last general election, but they still couldn't count all those millions of votes. And it's baffling to me that they have had uh, 200 years of presidential elections and they still haven't got to grips with how to count votes. Now, I know you love to talk about systems, but maybe we should talk about the actual results. I was like, I'm loving this righteous fury over vote counting, but um, we have so, some results to discuss. Yes. So Joe Biden has won. He's won astonishing 81 million votes which is 15 million more votes than Hillary Clinton won in 2016. Good Lord. Which is by far the most votes that anybody in the United States has ever won. However, second on that list is Donald Trump, who has also won the second most votes than anyone has ever won. Uh, 74 million, which is 11 million more than he won in 2016. And I, I said this, I, this should sink in. 11 million more people turned out to vote for Donald Trump than in 2016. How? Four years of intense right-wing populism validating them and making people who perhaps uh, were feeling a bit too ashamed to admit they were Trumpies, making them feel safe enough to come crawling out of their miserable little woodworks. It's just... You might know, notice uh, neither me or Elle like Donald Trump or the Republicans. No, no. But he did lose... He did, and his tantrums are both scary and enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, Biden uh, crushed him in the popular vote. He won 51% to 47%, which seems very close, but you have to bear in mind that's the highest share of the vote that somebody running against an incumbent has gotten since 1932. Jesus. It's very hard to beat an incumbent president, even if it's Donald Trump, as you see by the fact that he gained 11 million votes. People really want to they support. get the momentum yeah they get the momentum they have they have the ability to do things that make people want to vote for them because they have power and they can set policy um and they look like the president because they are the president so they get more support sort of generally um and but now uh despite increasing his share of the vote trump still lost uh he joins the ranks of such uh you know incredible talented defeated presidents such as gerald ford uh, George Herbert Walker Bush and uh, John Quincy Adams. Have you heard of any of these people? I think I've heard of John Quincy Adams, but I'm not sure. Is he the one from Hamilton? No, that was his father. Well, that's basically the same thing. <laughs> John Quincy Adams was the son of John Adams and he became uh, president in uh, 1824, I believe, and then uh, ran for election and he was beaten by Andrew Jackson, who was the first uh, Democratic nominee for president. But anyway, um, there was a there was a musical about him, about Andrew Jackson. There was. I I found I went into a deep rabbit. You know, like when you're tired mm -hmm. and you work for a university, so the autumn is very rough, and you end up in a YouTube rabbit hole and you find yourself watching a documentary made by some random person about a show in which Andrew Jackson is a rock star goth cannibal That's... who drinks blood and sings screamo music. That's weird. Someone made that and put it on Broadway. Oh, you know where they probably got it, the cannibal thing from? They uh, His opponents in, um, I believe it was 1832, accused him of being a cannibal. 
What a wild thing. Yeah, Jake. elections in the 19th century were absolutely brutal. <laughs> what? Like uh, the election of 1800, obviously made famous by Hamilton. Uh, but the race between Burr and Jefferson in the House has got more attention than the absolutely savage race between Adams and Jefferson, in which like Jefferson was accused of uh, was being dead. What? Like uh, he was accused of having, uh, you know, uh, somebody argued that, um, you know, John Adams was a, was an adulterer and a gambler. And then um, John Adams's uh, supporters, not Adams himself, but his supporters accused Jefferson of um, being dead. Being a corpse. Yeah. I mean, like, you know. We have to do a special episode about weirdest... Weirdest election. Weirdest accusation yeah. or something. I can't believe someone tried to accuse him of being a corpse. That's such an easy thing to check. Well, is it, though, in 1800? I mean, how many people oh, could easily check that Thomas Jefferson was still alive to run for president? I mean, it's not like... You had telegrams at that he point, I think. He stick his arm out of a window and people could take his pulse, which makes the COVID person in me scream and cry. Yeah, yeah. But if you're living in, like, say, Georgia, like, and Jefferson... They is can come, walk. They walk from Georgia to New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, they can go walk and take his pulse. <laughs> He'd probably be dead by the time they got there. Of old age. Of old age, yeah. <laughs> it's Just okay, he's got a cards. son to replace him. They're basically the same. <laughs> a, no, no, Adams had his son. I think Jefferson... Well, Jefferson probably had a son as well. Uh, Biden won the Electoral College too. Let me see. Scroll down a bit. Uh, he won uh, the same votes that Trump won in 2016, 306 to 232. Justice. Justice, yes. Um, it was surprising really because Biden... Hang on. Biden won a higher popular vote margin against Trump than Obama did against Romney. He won fewer electoral votes. Despite his decisive win across the U.S., Biden won the Electoral College by just 44,000 votes in Wisconsin, Georgia, and Arizona. So that's 0.03% of all votes cast. So if Trump had gotten 45,000 votes in those three states, more than he did, uh, he would have won the election, despite losing by 7 million votes across the whole country. What a good democratic system, It's a great everybody. democratic system. It works fine. What's wrong with it? That said, as I said... This is just what if, because he did lose. Oh. And no matter how much the big baby wants to cry and stamp his feet, he's leaving the White House in January. Thank God. And it is genuinely, it's really going to be wonderful to see because it, it will be remarkable to have a US president who will do things like sign, you know, regulations that restore protections for LGBT people at work, that will do things like fight to expand healthcare to people rather than taking it away. And that will actually, you know, oversee a, a de an organized, unified response to the pandemic. Well done, Joe Biden. And well done, the people who got behind him as well. Which yeah. means We yeah. know he's not, he's not perfect by any means. But the other side's deal is so rubbish right now that we've got to swallow that bitter pill. Yeah. And celebrate for the victories that you can, because one day we will get there and it will we will have better candidates. But it's going to take a long time and hard work like everything else always does. President Ocasio-Cortez, maybe? Yes, please. Yeah. That would be so cool. You know, she's 29. Oh, no, she's... wait, she was 29 when she was elected, so she'd now be 31? She's so full of power. Yeah. So she's still too young to be president and will be in 2024 as well, I believe. Um, which is amazing how much power and influence she has over a vast swathe of the American public and the international mm -hmm. audience for uh, 
20, uh, 30 year old congresswoman um bold bold statement but like she's 100% going to run for the presidency at some point right she's very very good i mean, i would i would hope so I, you know there have been lots of people in the past who've been very good who who've chosen not to do it and it, it may be that she I think she recognize. I think she's smart enough though to recognize that somebody has to take the bullet and yeah. try and run for the big seat and run for the big chair. I will say that one of the things that makes a good presidential candidate isn't just your political views or even how many people you can get, like how much money you can get or stuff. It's also about there is a quality about presidential candidates, mm. like a star power. And Bernie I think she's didn't. Got it. Yeah, Bernie didn't necessarily have it, no. particularly not in twenty twenty. Um, I mean, Biden didn't really have it either, but he'd been vice president, so everybody knew who he was already. Mm. So he and the same with Clinton. Like she'd been Secretary of State, she'd run for president before. Um, AOC does have it, and I think that if you were to, you know, neutrally look at who would be the best person for the Democratic Party to run. The, the left of the Democrats to run whenever she can run, it would be her because there's yeah. no one else that can marry this uncompromising left-wing views with still an ability to do politics well and get things passed and charisma and mass support and ability. This, her talent is extraordinary. As and someone who works in marketing as well, I just want to say she's very, very, she's so good at marketing in the sense of she knows how to reach her base and it's actually legitimately really refreshing to see a politician who actually gets how to connect with the right people yeah like streaming on twitch genius absolutely genius of course that makes perfect sense and plenty of politicians probably laughed at her for it but like it makes perfect sense given who she appeals to one thing that's still baffling to me is that we've all seen that happen but not a single uk politician has done that can who who would well i mean there are a number of labor mps that i i actually quite like and and um you'd think might take some advice from that like zara sultana who is the um uh, mp for, in coventry very active on social media she does a lot of good stuff she does a lot of good politics but like no one on the labor left is is doing this stuff and and it's really surprising because we've seen how well it goes mm -hmm. in america don't be afraid to be yourself and don't be afraid to be a personality yeah there's that again like this is one thing I admire Zara Sultana for is she's so refreshingly mm. normal and yet I don't know maybe it's just people aren't convinced it would work guys I'm going to make a really wild statement right now hold your goddamn horses because it's actually going to be slightly positive about Boris Johnson don't give me that face okay so page is cancelled he has a shit personality but he knows how to use it to get people to vote for him being less afraid to be yourself and have some personality and have some opinions and crack a goddamn joke like that is smart i don't think he does it intentionally i don't think he is that smart but like that's smart and aoc does it and it's sure as hell working for her it's almost like people like to vote for people who are people i mean i don't think boris johnson is that smart i think dominic cummings is yeah and he may not be in downstreet anymore but he was when he was Boris Johnson was appealing to people. And I will say that I think that the, the time when Corbyn was most appealing to people was in around 2017, when he was out and about just talking about who he was as a person, talking about how much he loved, he loved vegetable patches and manhole covers. And uh, any time that people got to know him as a person, 
politicians need to remember to be people as well as politicians. And that is my soapbox. Yeah. I, I don't want to uh, take us on too long. So we, we briefly touched on this. Things that we can learn from the US election. I think that both sides of the Labour left, Labour right divide in the UK can learn something from the US election. Like the Labour right needs to learn that there are plenty of people in the UK, plenty of voters who want you to offer them something. You need to offer them something and you also need to not spend all your time attacking the left wing of your own party. However, it is also true that when the Labour right says we are better than the alternatives, that is still true. Mm. And just as Biden was better than Donald Trump, Keir Starmer is a thousand million times better than Boris Johnson or whoever the Tories put up. Like I said, Keir Starmer is not my favourite Labour politician, but he is a Labour politician, which means he believes in funding public services. He believes in, you know, the National Health Service. He believes in using government to help people and, and, and to, you know, pull people out of poverty and, and to help people, you know, get back into work and, and look after people. And these are things that virtually every Labour politician believes in. And I think that throwing away that chance of improving things because many of us on the left are frustrated and angry about losing with Corbyn and, and losing our leadership of the party, I, I, I think that's a mistake. And I think that most people on the left in the US recognise that any agenda that the left has can possibly happen with Biden, but it definitely can't happen with Trump. And I think that that's just true with his armour. Mm, I'd agree, honestly. Um, I would add more, but I think you covered all my areas. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to steal. <laughs> no, it's, it's like you looked into my mind and you were like, I'm just going to use all the points that she just said. Ah, uh, yeah. But anyway, we've talked about, uh, we talked about polls, we talked about the US. And um, before we sign off, I do want to say something about Patreon. Because in the past few months, uh, the Patreon for Stats for Lefties has risen to an astonishing 50 supporters. And I honestly don't know what to say because I have always felt very uh, self-conscious about pushing the Patreon too much. I, I don't like to ask people for money for something that I enjoy doing that I, 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 I do anyway. But I'm... Honestly, incredibly moved that people, so many people, consider what I do and what me and Paige do together so valuable and worth contributing to. And I'll do my best to keep supplying some extra stuff to the to patrons. Um, and uh, um, I'll keep writing and keep doing what I'm doing. I am honestly overwhelmed by it, and I had no idea when I started this um, little project that it would balloon into the media conglomerate that it has um <laughs> uh and uh i am still just one person and um and one friend doing this and uh i'm amazed that people support it so much so thank you it really means a lot to know that what i do is valuable and that people find it helpful and interesting so thank you and uh good night <laughs>